Welcome all that are new. I get excited to meet some of you afterwards. It'd be great to meet you. Welcome everyone else. It's great to see all of you. You're going to need your Bibles. Uh, we're here to study the Word of God. So if you don't have a Bible, uh, Laura's back there. She can get you one. Um, we have all sorts of different languages. Just let her know. She'll get you one. If you have your phones, that's great. Just make sure and silence them. Today's passage title is, again, the series I've been going through called Heart Conditions, going through Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. Today we're going to look at revenge, hate, and self-righteousness, which is, as, as today is a national or a day of prayer for Burma, is very applicable, I believe. You know, as I, uh, Christian is gone, I was able to teach the youth this Friday, and I, I just, I love studying God's Word, and this Friday, I taught on Psalm 1. It's a sermon I've given before. But it said in Psalm 1, they delight in the law of the Lord. And it's an amazing passage because it's referring to all of those that would have joy. And as we th- see all the things going around the world right now, there's a bunch of news today, some new bombings going on. I mean, the world is just in utter chaos. Yet, those that delight in the law of the land can still have joy as all of this is taking place. And we, we each, we all, we face so many different challenges as we continue in this world to walk out as Christians to try to please God, to try to go out to evangelize. We face so many different challenges. But again, those that delight in the law of the Lord can find joy. Now, I remember, I was thinking about this 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 week. I remember back when I first really surrendered my life to the Lord. When I first did this, I was always asking, and I was asking a lot, and I was asking pastors and asking people, and I was asking over and over, how do I become the man that God would have me be? And how do I have joy? And I asked this, you know, how do I become this person that I'm supposed to be? Because, you know, I honestly didn't know. I didn't even know who that person really was either. But this process of becoming the person that God has called me to be is still taking place every day today. But I can't answer the question of how today. I know how today to become that man that God's called me to be. Have any of you ever asked that? How do I become the person that God desires me to be? Have you ever asked that question? I hope so. I want to turn to, I'm going to answer this. Turn to Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second and equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law... And all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. This is the person that Jesus calls each of us to be. Just summed up real quick. So I asked, how can we become that person? That was my question. That's who we're to be. That's what we're to do. But how do we become that person that that scripture would define you? I want to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 25, we're going to look at through 28. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, 
to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. I know this is kind of directly written here, speaking of relationships and marriage. But we each are made holy and made clean and washed by God's word. So that's, I asked how. It's by God's word. It's by the reading and the study of his word. Now, in Ma- I, I went through all of this because we're going back to Matthew 5. And in Matthew 5, we're being instructed how each of us are to live as a Christian. A Christian that has received the gift of holiness from God. And again, as we study Matthew chapter 5, we've been there several weeks, we see that Jesus has given, been given examples of who each of us are to be as his followers. Examples that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and how we are to love God with all of our hearts. We remember the Beatitudes. We studied them several weeks ago. We remember we're supposed to be dependent on him. We're supposed to be humble, merciful, pure of heart, peaceable, and then, remember, we're to be salt and light. But then, Jesus gave us some warnings, didn't he? There's warnings. He warned us each about anger, lust, divorce, and then about keeping our word. Jesus is showing us through the scriptures, through this teaching, how each of us are to live. How each of us are to walk out this Christian life with those around us in a way that would be pleasing to him. Now today we're going to learn from Jesus continuing how to live out these relationships with others according to the will of God. So every one of us this applies to, right? Every one of us. Now I asked a minute ago, how do you become the person that God desires you to be? As we're looking through all these different examples. The answer again, it's the word of God. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, And through this, in this process of being sanctified, we will become more and more like Jesus. So let's dig deep into God's Word, and let's learn more this week how we're to live out our lives as Christian. Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 38. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This law, we'll stop right there. This law quoted here, we can read it if we wanted to. You can go back to Exodus 21, 24. But it's referring to a punishment or an ordinance that's given to address a person that has received a personal injury from another person. Also, if you were to turn back in Deuteronomy 19, 21, this law is also given again. And it's mentioned this same justice given to a person that would bear a false witness. Then again, we're going to actually turn to this one in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 13 through 23. Leviticus 24, 13 through 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp until all that heard the curse to lay their hands on his head. Then let the entire community stone him to death. Say to the people of Israel, Those who curse their God will be punished for their sin. 
Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. Anyone who takes another person's life must be put to death. Anyone who kills another person's animal must pay for it in full, a live animal for the animal that was killed. Anyone who injures another person must be dealt with according to the injury inflicted. A fracture for a fracture, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Whatsoever anyone does to injure another person must be paid back in kind. Whoever kills an animal must pay for it in full, but whoever kills another person must be put to death. And it continues, um, continues on. This law is mentioned here that Jesus now in the New Testament is mentioning. And in this particular story, he's talking about a blasphemer. And then as you, the story continues, the Lord has actually spoken to Moses about this situation, saying the blasphemer must be put to death just as a person that has committed murder. A person that blasphemes God here in these passages will face the same death sentence. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Because we're going to look at this. Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. Back to the New Testament. Verse 31. So I tell you, every sin and blaspheme can be forgiven, except blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or or in the world to come. Forgiveness here we see in this passage is offered through faith in Jesus Christ. The only sin that is here, that is listed, that is not redeemable, is the denying of the truth of the Holy Spirit. Think about that very closely. The only sin that is not redeemable, that is not to be forgiven, is the denying of the truth of the Holy Spirit. Which, the truth of the Holy Spirit is he is saying Jesus is who he says he is. Denying Jesus' grace and mercy brought through to each of us through the Holy Spirit then is unforgivable because you're not accepting that Jesus is God and Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So that's the only sin that we see here is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is denying the message of who Jesus is and refusing that message. That's the only one that's undeniable because you denied Jesus. You denied that grace. You denied that mercy. Turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Look again at verse 38. You know, as I read this, it says that, it says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I think all of us here kind of like the idea of justice, don't we? We like to see a person maybe get what they deserve until it's us, right? Until it's us. Let's see what Jesus has to say about this in verses 39 through 41. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. So Jesus now in these passages is presenting to us justice in a different light than we would normally think of. And he starts with giving us three different examples. But Jesus first begins, he says, resist. You see that? Resist an evil person. Do not resist an evil person. What does that mean, resist an evil person? 
I looked it up in Strong's. I went back to the Greek. And it says to set oneself against, to withstand, resist, oppose a person who is hurtful or harmful. You think it... Jesus is telling us not to resist an evil person. You know, this is not my instinct. This is not how I would normally react. If a person is looking to or has harmed me, I am naturally going to resist that person. I don't want to be anywhere near that person. I don't want anything to do with that person. But Jesus then says, and he instructs for we should turn the other cheek or give up our coat, or even it says to carry their gear for another mile. You know, it's interesting. In Jesus' time, it was said, and I'm sure it's true, that a Roman soldier had the right to force a foreigner or the people of the land to carry their gear for one mile. And the NLT, the one I'm using, adds the word soldier. It's not in most translations. But it's, it's likely this is what Jesus was referring to when he says this. And so NLT has graciously added the word soldier, even though it's not in the original text. But contextually, that's probably what he was talking about. But can you imagine being forced to carry the very tools or the items that were being used to enslave your own people? You know, we call it a porter today, I believe. I think they call it a porter. It's still happening today. It's happening right across the border. And what does Jesus say about this? He says, carry it another mile. When you think about what's taking place right now across the border, they're taking kids and having him do this very thing. What's Jesus say? Carried another mile? I, I tell you, I read this verse, and I have a hard time understanding why Jesus would ask any of us to do this. But I do believe it comes back to a heart condition called revenge. That's what this is really about. Because revenge, it's not who we are to be as Christians. Hard-hearted with that revenge on our hearts. Jesus... He showed us how, how to live without revenge, how not to have that heart condition. He actually lived it out. As you think about what Jesus faced, as he forgave the very men, as he was beaten, mocked, as he was put on the cross, Jesus, he forgave the men. Turn to Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Look at 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We, every single one of us, are to let God be the judge. Otherwise, as this scripture says, if we try to fulfill that position, we will be filled with revengeful thoughts, we'll be filled with anger. And even according to the scripture, it says evil can conquer you. Revenge will consume you. It can fill you with hate. I don't think Jesus in this passage in Matthew, or here in even in Romans, is calling us to continue in a dangerous or harmful situation. But he's addressing our hearts. He's addressing that heart condition that each of us could have. 
we must forgive each one of us. Each one of us must forgive as each of us have been forgiven and trust that God's righteous anger and judgment will prevail. Revenge is not part of a Christian life. But instead, we follow the example Jesus has given us. We pray for forgiveness for these people. We pray that they would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We must trust God in these situations. And remember, we're not God. I think sometimes I have to surrender hour by hour as I walk through difficult situations and some of the things I've seen, some of the things I've heard. As someone is hurting us or hurting our loved ones as we hear about it. But we don't have to have anger. We don't have to seek revenge. There's freedom from this. And it is possible to have this. To have freedom from this. Through the Holy Spirit. I can't do it myself. I am not capable. Let's continue. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 42. It's the last verse in this section. Give to those who ask. And don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Interesting verse. Just think about I'm going to look at that verse again. Give to those who ask. And don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Jesus says that we are to give without condition or reservation. As if taking revenge beforehand, not taking revenge wasn't enough. He continues. Even more so. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus, this whole time in this whole passage, he's going back to the Old Testament. And so we're also going to go back at times. Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land, the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited or refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. What do you think about that? Think about that passage, what he's just asked us to do there. How do, how do you interpret this? I'll be honest. When I read this, it's a hard passage in some ways. I feel, personally, my family has been extremely blessed in a lot of ways. And one way is monetarily. We've been blessed. All our needs are met. And I do believe that as being blessed monetarily from the Lord, I also have a responsibility to be a good steward of what I've been blessed with. And I believe we are good stewards of what we've been blessed with. But look at verse 9, back in Deuteronomy If you refuse to make the loan for the needy person and they cry out to the Lord, you'll be considered guilty of sin. I had this happen this week. I actually had this happen this week. Not that I was guilty of sin, but I had someone that was in a really bad spot financially. And I'd already given this money once, this person money once before. And they were fine. Everything was good, but um, they hadn't paid back the previous loan yet, which was fine. It wasn't time yet. But yet they were here asking me again for money because they were in a difficult situation. I mean, maybe a lot of you have been in that situation. What do you do? At what point am I being a bad steward or am I being disobedient to God's word? 
It was more money, I'll tell you. It wasn't a little bit of money. Because, you know, a little bit of money, I'll just give it to them. It was enough money that I was not comfortable with giving it. What do you do? I prayed. I prayed some more. And I tell you, then I prayed some more. Because I did not know what to do. I sought the scriptures. Started reading up on other scriptures concerning the matter. In my heart, I was 100% willing. I was. But I had come to the point that I knew I needed to do something. I didn't know what to do. Then that next morning, this person came up to me. And they were praising God. And they said that uh, God had provided a way that they only needed half the money now. Because uh, God had worked something out. So I just opened my wallet up and gave them what they needed. You know, I don't know how to guide every one of you in every situation in this. I, I don't have the answers here. I do know that I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I sought the scriptures. And I sought the Lord. But I think, again, this verse is about the heart condition. It's all God's. Everything I got is a blessing from the Lord. Every single thing I have, it's all his. Do I trust him or not? In this case, I gave the money. But I also believe that I must always be willing to help, even at a cost, because this was a little bit of money, more than I was really comfortable with giving. But God may not always lead that way. I will say that. He may not always lead that way. But I think my heart needs to be aligned with this passage that I need to be willing at any time to give. And sometimes I'll pray about it and God's like, no, maybe not. But am I willing? Again, I think it's, as we look at revenge, if that's God's place, that's not our place. We talk about giving. I think Jesus, again, heart conditions. He's explaining these out, teaching us to help us walk as he has called us to walk. Walk in ways that would bring him glory. So Jesus has a lot more he wants to say to us. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This law is quoted in Leviticus, again, 19.18. We can turn over there real quick. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But what about that second part? I didn't see that there. It's man's interpretation. Um, perhaps if you want to look through it, you can write it down. You can look to Deuteronomy 23, 3-8. through 8. It's a specific story about God, how he's brought judgment upon nations who did not bless the Israelites with food and water and didn't allow them to pass through the land. A lot of you are familiar with the story. So God brought judgment on them people. Again, heart condition. That was God's job. That wasn't the people's job. But they took this and they said, well, God did this, and they added it to their laws. Hate the enemy. No, that's not the correct interpretation. I believe these passages and all the passages in the Bible are clear. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we are to let God be the one who would bring justice. That's not our responsibility. These people said in the passage, love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. That is a severe misinterpretation of the heart of of who God is. And to look at that, I just want to turn real quick to James, because I think it's important. James chapter 2, 8. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal laws found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. We each are to love all people. 
All people. And trust God to sort that out. I know it sounds kind of a cliche, but our responsibility as Christians is to love all the people. The rest of this stuff is up to God. It's not our position. It's not our place. We are even to pray that our enemies would be blessed just as much as each one of us have. That they also would receive the same mercy and the same grace that each one of us have been given. Look at, back into Matthew. Look at verse 45 again. We are told to love our enemies. This is how Jesus, this is what Jesus did. To, we are to love as Jesus has loved. Now I think about this, how do you love as Jesus loved? How do you love the sinner? What did Jesus do if we're to love as Jesus loves? He gave his very life to the point of giving his very life. Jesus continues here. Look at 40, verse 45. Uh, sorry, 44. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Look at 45. In the same way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. We see examples given here by Jesus explaining that if we are true Christians, if we are true Christians, the word he used, that we will love as he loved. You know, it's funny as he mentions, he kind of gives some people's name, not names, but different people in there. He says, he gives the one person that hate, was hated by more than anyone else in there, the tax collector. And he says, you even have to love him. I mean, to us, we hear tax collector. I know you, most of you are familiar with it, but I think of it in like today's time with all the stuff like even going on in Myanmar or Burma, as you think about how much people despise the soldiers and what they're doing, you imagine someone from the other side supporting that, how much worse that would be. And he continues, he says, even the pagans. So we are called to love, not as the world has loved, but in the way that Jesus has loved. Jesus even says here, we are to love even the ones who have hurt us most, the same way that Jesus has loved each one of us. I don't know. How does this speak to you? You know, when I read passages like this, um, I, very often the Holy Spirit convicts me of something in my life in particular. Maybe a certain name sometimes comes to my mind, someone that um, has wronged me lately in my life, and I'm not loving them as Jesus has loved me. I mean, the, it's so easy maybe just to read this and say, well, you love as Jesus has loved you. But when you start thinking of names of people in your life, and really asking yourself, am I loving that person the same way that Christ has loved me, the same way that he's forgiven me, the same way he's given me mercy, same grace? It's different when you start putting names behind it. To offer that person unconditionally that same forgiveness that was offered to each one of us. I think about that. I don't even know. Are you capable of that? Are you even capable to offer that kind of love to a person that's like that? Look at verse 48. I start in 47. If you're kind only to your friends... How are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So in the scripture here, he gives us the goal. He sets the target up for us. And the question, are you capable? Yes, you all are. Yes, I am. We are capable to love another, even our enemies, just as Jesus has commanded us here in the scripture. And how we do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we are born again, 
When we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And through that Holy Spirit abiding in each one of us, He empowers each one of us to love as He is loved. Because I am not capable. But through the Holy Spirit abiding in me, I am capable. And each one of us are capable to forgive as He is forgiven, to love as He is loved. You know, I have seen redemption in relationships that was impossible without God. I have seen hate removed from the hardest of hearts through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Jesus heals. And in His perfect love, His perfect love, we join together as one. And we become a vessel of Jesus' love once we have placed our faith in Jesus. And then we can go and we can share this love with the lost, with the world. Now the message here as we continue in Matthew is going to change. Jesus has been addressing pretty much all of chapter 5, how we should have relationships with people, right? It's been all about that, these little different things, anger, divorce, keeping our word, loving our enemies, um, not having revengeful hearts. But now Jesus is going to change in chapter 6. It's going to start addressing how we have a relationship with Him, with the Father. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. He says, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus issues us each a warning about being self-righteous and really the results of that lifestyle. Again, he's addressing heart conditions that when each of us would give, are we given for the right reasons? It's a heart condition. Why do we do what we do when we give? Do we do it to bring God glory? Are we doing it to bring glory to ourselves? What rewards are we seeking when we give? Whose approval are we seeking when we give? And it comes back again to the question, do we fear God or do we fear man? I mean, the choice to me is one or the other. It's, usually, it's not like a middle ground for me. And I, again, I just go back to just this very week. And I can think back to this week. When, is I, when have I gave this week? What have I gave? Maybe it's not just money, of our time, of our resources, of our abilities, of, I mean, right, we all have given something this week. Maybe it's money, but not, money's small in comparison to a lot of things we give. Why did we give it? What are the motives for what we do? Is it to get self-recognition or self-righteousness, or is it to glorify the Father? Look at verse 2. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to the acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. Examples of a hypocrite as told by Jesus, followed by a truth, a deep truth, that these people, there will be no reward in heaven for these people who have done this, because their deeds were done to bring glory to themselves, not to God. Not to the one who had given his life for them. Again, this isn't a, I, I don't think this is really about the actual act of helping someone. It's always good to help someone in whichever way that is. But again, it's about our heart, our heart condition behind what we do. Jesus, he's going back to all of chapter 5, and he's going to start again now in all chapter, starting in chapter 6. It's about our heart conditions and what we do. 
Let's look at the last two verses for the day, three and four. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus instructs us all to give in humility, to give in such a, a way that we don't even give ourselves credit. I'm sure you've heard this, but I imagine, you know, one hand giving while the other hand is patting myself on the back. Well, you're such an awesome guy, I can't believe you did that, right? And that's why he kind of says that. Don't even let your hand know what you're doing. Again, we are to follow the example that Jesus has given us and to be faithful in all that we have and give everything in love and for him. No, I, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I'll be very, very clear about that. But I will tell you this. Jesus has blessed me and my family more than I could ever imagine. And these blessings have continued in my life. And at every moment that I am blessed, I usually give back even more than I'm blessed with. So again, I don't know how that works exactly, but I can tell you we have just been very blessed. I'm going to get a little more into that in just a minute. But I want to, I want to give you a quote from David Guzik. He said, If a man could live the way Jesus has told us to do in this chapter, he would be truly perfect. He would never hate, slander, or speak evil of another person. He would never lust in his heart or mind, and he would not covet anything. He would never make a false oath. He would always be completely truthful. He would let God defend his personal rights and not take it upon himself to defend those rights. He would always love his neighbors, even his enemies. And I'll add, myself, we would only give in humility, always only seeking God to receive glory. Jesus has shown us through these passages, all of us, great examples, how to live, Setting the mark, right? The target for each one of us. As David Guzik said in the first, he said, if a man could live this way, the way Jesus told us, we'd be truly perfect. But we have the mark. We have a goal. We have something to, you know, I asked, how do I become that man that I'm called to be? This is the man that I'm called to be. These are the examples that are given, and there's much more going to be given. And how do we do that? We do that through the Holy Spirit, through that power that he's given us through the resurrection, because I can't become this person without that. I'm just not capable. I want to share something in a big, huge praise report. But when it was talking about giving to the needy here and these things, I want to share something. First of all, I have a huge praise report. Most of you know we have now signed contract on a new church building. And I want to share the testimony just for about five minutes on what that has looked like as we've walked through that. Make sure Joe's sitting down here because he doesn't know this whole story. (laughs) So... A while ago, we've been looking for a building, and the reason I was looking is because I believe we're growing, and I really would like our own space. It's naturally, it's nice to have your own space, and also to do a lot more to serve the Lord in that and have that. But also, many of you know, I'm getting ready to go on an extended furlough, and so I have so many things going. We're trying to work out, get this foundation going. We're moving our house. Um, we're trying to get the whole team you know, ready for when we leave, and there's all these things going on, and all I'm going to tell you... I really, really did not want to move the church. Everybody's like, oh, we can find a building. I'm like, there's no way. I do not want to deal with this. I don't want the headache. I don't want, to, I don't want any part of it right now. We have so many other things to deal with. We don't have the money, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we did see this one building over there, and a lot of you kind of went with us, and we went and looked at this building, and we're like, there's no way this won't work. I was like, good. I don't have to deal with it. I'll deal with it in eight months when we get back you know, find a different space. 
And the lady, she kept calling us and presenting different offers and wanting us to go there. And so uh, at one point, I don't remember all of us that went over there. We kind of went over there and just to go relook at the space. And we looked at it again, and I'm like, I just, I don't want this space. It was not, I, I don't want it, because you, you know why I don't want this space? Because I was lazy. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with the contract. I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with any of it, because it was going to be a lot of work. And as things went on, we started negotiating, and brought it before the church and we looked at it and then they said how they could like tear everything out and make this big open space in there so we could use it for worship. The entire time I really, I just, I didn't want it, I didn't want the headache. Um, I was quite content being right here. But God had a much different plan. And for me, I had to be obedient to that. And for me, as I started looking at all the uh, problems, uh, I gave you guys a prayer list, I put it on the prayer chat, all the problems we saw with the building. You know, there's a parking problem, there's a this problem, there's a that problem. As I was doing my daily Bible reading, the Lord spoke to me, and I believe he spoke to me through Scripture in Numbers, Joshua and Caleb. He said, this is what the Lord has promised. He said, go into the land and take it. And you know the story, we all know the story. They went, right, with the twelve. Ten of them came back and said, there's this problem, there's that problem, it's just too much, we can't do it, we can't handle it. But then the two said... God has said, this is what will take place. Go in my name. We all know the Bible story from the Sunday school. There was, it was true. When they, the 12 went, there was a lot of challenges, wasn't there? I mean, there was real challenges. They saw giants. They saw these things. They were scared. They were outnumbered. It looked too big for them. And God sp- spoke to me. And he said, don't, don't be like that. Be like Caleb. Be like Joshua. And I was like... We don't have the money. And so I put it before the church. We kind of put it out there. did that little video. I think all of you saw it. Uh, I said we need uh, $10,000 and that uh, $5,000 to do the contract basically to start the process and another $5,000 in renovations. And uh, we started the contract with Joe over there and I had like negative $234 is what I had. I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly what I had. Negative $234 in our church account. And uh, people started donating a little bit and donate a little bit. And we came up with just barely enough money to pay the deposit, 150000 And when I mean just barely, I mean I, I cleaned out every single account we had. And then I, uh, you better sit down, Joe. I told Joe, I was like, well, Joe, I'm not sure when I'll be able to pay you. I don't think he realized I was serious. Um, and I told him, I don't know when I'm going to be able to pay yet because I don't got no more money right now. We just spent all the money for the church. And then I went and talked to Mike, and he told me all these things he's got. He's got uh, projectors and air conditioners and chairs and all these things. I'm like, wow, this is really great. And I just really believe that Lord, the Lord spoke to me that we were to move forward on this. And uh, I literally drained everything we had. And I think two days ago, I was just sitting there at the house doing something, and I received a text. It's an old friend of mine from the States, and they just said randomly something had happened, and they some business closed, I don't know the story, and they received a whole bunch of money. And they said, hey, we, wanna, we saw your thing on Facebook, and I want to give you $10,000. So, Joe, you can get paid now <laughs> on the 7th. Uh, I just want to share that because... I think 
this is not my nature to do something that crazy, but I believe, without a doubt, the Lord spoke to my heart to do it. And Vicky and I had many conversations. <laughs> and, you know, just it's amazing to see that God provided. And I think we need to be faithful. And he really called me to be faithful. And he was faithful. And that's what he's talking about here when it says about giving, given. It's all his. And it was way above and beyond what I thought we could do. And I don't like using money a lot for examples, but this just, it happened. And you guys, this is the church that we're all going to be attending. It's all where we're going to be going. And so we've been blessed. And that money was just enough to pay the attorney's fees, to pay the balance of the construction cost, because we had to pay for half the side, (laughs) and uh, to pay for the remaining balance of this place. And it covered everything. And it will cover everything. And God knew this. But I could have been like the mother ten. I said, it's too big. I can't do it. It costs too much. The parking's not great. The contract's a pain. But we acted in faith. So I just want to give you that praise report. I don't share a lot of stuff like that a lot. because I think that, uh, But I think you guys should know because you guys are the church. And it's pretty amazing. And so uh, I'm just really excited as I taught this message today. Um, to me, it was my own heart condition. It was my heart condition to be faithful. And when, I don't know about you guys, but I don't get a lot, like when God doesn't like just pound something on me very often. I mean, he doesn't go like, this is what I want. It doesn't happen a lot. I mean, and this was one where it was like, this is what I want you to do and you're going to do it. And anything else would have been sinful. And uh, he did. He spoke to me that way. And I was obedient. And uh, so I wanted to share that. And I just wanted to give you uh, God the glory in it. Um, you know, these people... They had no idea in the States. They had no idea about any of it. All they knew is they came across some money and they'd like, let's give this to the Refuge Church. And uh, it was just happened to be enough. So a huge praise report. I'm excited for the new building, by the way. Uh, if you didn't see the video, they've already started demolition. Pray. We should be in by Easter. Um, it should be. It should happen. We should be in by Easter. And uh, we're really excited. Yeah, I'm just really excited. So. Please pray with me and we'll worship. Heavenly Father, as we read this message here, Lord, as you've uh, clearly outlined who we are to be, Lord, as we are, if we are Christians, Lord, we're not to be revengeful. If we are Christians, if we are truly your children, we are to love our enemies. We are to love them in the same way that you've loved us, Lord, as we think about that and we think of the people that has harmed us. And yes, Lord, we will have enemies. That's given. But we will love them in the way that you've loved us. To offer the same mercy, the grace, the forgiveness that's only possible through your empowering of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, you continue to show and share with us how we are to give unconditionally. To give to the needy in ways like we would never imagine given. Lord, I just pray for each one of us as we share this testimony with the church. And how you've blessed us as a community of believers. Lord, I just pray that, uh, Lord, as we... One day here soon, in the next few weeks, we go dedicate this building to you, Lord. As we've been there and Joe has been sharing the gospel with the owners, that, Lord, there would be a revival. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you use this space and you use this testimony, Lord, that all the churches of Chiang Mai, Lord, would just seek you on their face, Lord. And that we'd just come before you and we'd go out in faith, Lord. We wouldn't be worried about how we're going to do this. If you called us to do it, we are to be obedient. And, Lord, you'll take care of all the rest. So, Lord, I just pray for the body here, Lord, as we go out, Lord, that we'd keep these passages on our hearts this week, that uh, we'd remember who we are to be as your children, Lord. 
Lord, I just praise you and I thank you for this wonderful gift that you've given us, Lord, as this fellowship. I just pray for the people in Burma, especially today, as I read, there's going to be one week they're going to be without power. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that that power would miraculously just stay on somehow, Lord. And Lord, you just show us again, Lord, how we can just come alongside our brothers and sisters in Myanmar, Lord, and how we can just love on them, Lord, and how we can show just the love of Christ to each one of them, Lord. And I just pray for repentance for that country and the leaders there, Lord. Lord, again, I just love you so much, Lord, and I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And just please show each one of us, Lord, how to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.